We're going to talk more about uh, the conqueror. And as I told you before, uh, a couple weeks ago, the uh, as we continue to lay the groundwork uh, this week and next week, we will we should be wrapping up uh, talking about wearing the armor. And that's what we're on at this point. So if you weren't here for the rest of these, I can tell you um, it's been recorded and it's out there. Go back and listen to it. As if you need the material, I, you know, I have the material. Some, I think there's some copies back there. Uh, grab the material because, you know, this is something that it's not just you may know this stuff, you know, but sometimes it's good, like I said before, to revisit. Go back to the basics. Amen. And uh, it's also something good to be able to share with others. You know, when you talk about uh, just the basic stuff that we talked about, it's talking about water baptism. Uh, you know, receiving the Holy Ghost, you know, receiving that power, uh, repentance, the turning point, you know, all those things are basic things, basic fundamentals of the gospel. Amen. So we're going to get into wearing the armor. Ephesians chapter six, verses 11 through 18. And as y'all know, I love it when we have volunteers to read so i know it's quite a few verses we have somebody that don't mind reading need a bottle of water we can get you a bottle of water ephesians chapter 6 verses 11 through 18 All right. No volunteers. Okay, well, we will. Okay, praise God. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Brother Terry, uh, verses 11 through 18. Okay. Put on the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Amen. Thank you, sir. So Ephesians chapter six, Paul lets us know. uh, This is the nature of our warfare. The nature of our of Christian warfare does not exist in the material world. Now, it's manifested in the material world. But the source of it is not based upon what we see. 
Instead, there is a dimension that is invisible to the human eye. And much of the opposition that we face in life can be directly linked to a spiritual source. Many people are completely unaware as to just how much influence the spiritual realm has on our daily lives. The chaos, the issues that we that we see in our society today is a direct result of spiritual influence. It's difficult to fight, much less win against an invisible adversary. When we embrace God's plan of salvation, we receive power to overcome the oppositions we face. Additionally, every Christian receives a supply of protective equipment known as the armor of God. This equipment is designed for our defense and protection against evil forces. It is essential to our salvation that we wear this armor at all times. Without God's armor, we are vulnerable and defenseless. So we'll take some time to examine some of those, uh, the parts of our armor. But before we do that, there's people in here that's been in the military before, right? Okay, so, of course, the gear that we have today is slightly different from what we had before, okay? Some of you that were in longer or a longer time before, you know the gear is definitely not the same. It doesn't look the same. It's not designed the same, okay? And over the years, they've tried to make it better for the warfare that they were they, they were in, okay? Historically, the armor that they wore, they didn't put a lot of emphasis, if you notice, on the back, okay? The emphasis was on protecting and shielding the front of you. Can anybody tell me why? Nope, not Sister Miller. We talked about this. Okay. Outstanding. I wish that would have would have been in the mic. Can you, you mind saying that again? I want to make sure that. <laughs> Usually, the army armor doesn't protect your back so much because when we are in warfare, we're facing the enemy. You know, we're we're not supposed to be ret- returning and running from them and have a need to protect our back. Amen. Facing the enemy. How else are you going to conquer your enemy if you don't face him? Y'all remember first, uh, what we read about in 1 Samuel 17, right? As soon as Goliath comes out, what did they do? Wow. You know what amazes me? And, and you know, just y'all know I'm good for side notes. But as I, as I studied some of this stuff, I was just trying to figure out who allowed the enemy to dictate how the war was going to go in the first place? How did they ever get to that point where 
it was just a matter of the enemy saying these are the terms of which we're going to fight. Doesn't tell you in the scripture, does it? <laughs> Fear. Okay. Anybody else? I'm just asking for your ideas. So, yes, sir. Y'all hear that? I know they didn't hear that on on podcast. But the Israelites were known for winning their battles, defeating their enemy. So in order for them to get to the point where the enemy was was able to prescribe how the battle was going to be fought, they had to relinquish, they had to first relinquish some of that authority or some of that power. Are y'all getting this? You know what that means? You know how that correlates to us, right? We shouldn't allow Satan and the evil forces to prescribe how the battle is going to be fought. But in order for him to get that, in order for us to get to that place, that means we've relinquished or we've given up some things. So what does that tell you? Remember I told you all a couple of last week or the week before. He don't have the power that he pre- presents himself to have. The way he portrays himself, he's really not all that powerful. But if he can convince you he is, then you lose the power that God has given you. And now he has power over you. So God has given us some equipment to help us. To protect us from spiritual wickedness, principalities. These are all spiritual things. So like I always say, your enemy is not your brother and sister. I am sick and tired of seeing the people of God who's supposed to be changed, transformed in the image of God, killing one another. Amen. Enough is enough. We want to see revival. We want to see lives changed. You know, we want to see God blessing the body of Christ. We got to start taking care of one another. Because the other reason why you didn't need armor behind you was because you were supposed to have somebody watching your back. So let's watch each other's back. Amen. So the first piece of equipment, the belt of truth. Talks about. Having your loins girt about with truth. Okay? So I call it the belt of truth. Now, a belt is designed to encircle something or someone while fastening articles of clothing together. Primarily, that's what a belt is used for. 
In many cases, a belt will help prevent your clothes from falling. That's a good thing. Or shifting out of place. Like normal belts, we are encouraged to girt or wrap our loins in truth. Now, in this context, the word loins represent the part of the body that contains our reproductive organs. Therefore, if we want to produce truthfulness, we must surround, immerse, and consume our lives with the truth. When we immerse ourselves in truth, we become filled with truth. Truth is something that is accurate, credible, dependable, and reliable. Truth that is diminished, altered, or fabricated in any way is no longer considered to be truth. Truth is absolute, not relative. Let me say that again. Truth is absolute, not relative. The essence of truth far supersedes the existence of carnal morality. Truth is not what you make it. You can tell in the judicial system, you can tell every lie you want to tell. But it doesn't change the truth of the situation. Sometimes all they're lacking is the proper evidence to prove what has already existed. The truth. So it doesn't matter what our society says about the truth. We talk about the truth of God's word. There are there are plenty of ideas and philosophies and you know theologies about what truth is when it pertains to God's word. But the truth still remains the truth. It cannot be changed. Amen. So truth is consistent because God is, is consistent. God is the source of truth. John chapter 4, verses 23 through 24. Somebody else want to read? John chapter 4, verses 23 through 24. You got the mic. All right, John chapter 4, verses 23 through 24. I'll take this one then. Okay. Pardon me. Thank you, sir. Ah. John 4, 23 and 24. But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Psalm 51 and 6. And if someone else can grab Deuteronomy 32 and 4, please. Deuteronomy 32 and 4. 
Behold, the desirous truth in the inward parts and in the hidden parts, thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Desires truth to be on the inward parts, right? Deuteronomy 32 and 4. He is the rock. His work is perfect. For all his ways are judgment, a God of truth and without iniquity. Just and right is he. Hmm. The essence of truth lies within who? Now, Jesus Christ is the physical revelation of that truth. So when we become connected to Jesus Christ, we become connected to the truth. He says, they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. There's no way around it. God requires us to be in truth. Truth according to who? When we position ourselves in the truth, it changes our lives. It, pres- it provides us with spiritual security in the work of God. The more we reside in truth, the less likely we are to sin or become deceived. I believe it's Titus chapter 1. Titus chapter 1, verses 1 through 2. In fact, Titus chapter 1, verses 1 through 2. I'm going to throw these other scriptures out here uh, real quick. Uh, John chapter 17 and verse 17. Can I get somebody to volunteer for that one? Any volunteers? Thank you, sir. And Psalm 119. Um, There's going to be three verses out of Psalm 119. Anybody want to volunteer to read those? Thank you, Sister Barb. Okay, so I will let you know once we get to Psalm 119. Okay, so we're going to Titus chapter 1, verses 1 through 2. We do have quite a few scriptures. Um, So that's a good thing. Okay. Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect and the acknowledging of the truth, which is after godliness in hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. So we serve a God who cannot lie. I was thinking about a message. I don't remember if it was preached or not, but it was talking about the things that God cannot do. And one of them is lie. So that means, that gives us the assurance that every promise that God makes, he's going to keep. Of course, Jesus already told us that, right? He says, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word will not pass away. Okay? It's going to accomplish what it was set out to, to accomplish. So we can stake our claim in knowing that if we trust in the word of God, we trust in the things of God, God's word is true. He does not lie. Amen? John chapter 17, verse 17. 
Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Whose word is truth? Jesus. God's word is truth. So the truth is what sanctifies us, right? Without the truth, we can't be sanctified. We can't be justified. Okay, truth is like a way of preparing us. Amen? Psalm 119, verses 11, 16, and 105. I know we just skipped. Your word have I hid in my heart. Um, Why? Psalms 119.11, verse 16, I will delight myself in your statutes. I will not forget your word. And Psalms 105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Thank you, Sister Barb. So verse 11, David says, thy word have I hid in my heart. Why? Your word is going to help me. It's going to keep me from sinning. You know what's amazing to me? Folks who try to live for God but don't look in his word. How else are we going to be empowered if we don't know the word? My people perish because of what? Now, all the Bibles that have been printed over the years... As much as they have tried to abolish them from places where we need them, you know, they, I, I think the debate of, you know, removing them from hotels and you remember the little Bibles, the Gideon Bibles you used to find in the drawers? Some of them still have them, but it's very, it's, it's, it's decreasing. Got rid of them from the schools. My wife was telling me, but they, you know, they're encouraging to have them in the the prison. So I'm just kind of backwards. We need them in the prison, but we want to be proactive, right? (laughs) But the word of God is meant to keep us from sinning. It's, it's God's instructions. When we talk, we talk, talk about the Bible, we say basic instructions before leaving earth. Whoever came up with that acronym. But it's befitting. It's God's instructions, right? And who do they point to? Every word in, in the scripture points back to who? He says, search the scriptures. For in them you think you have eternal life, but... When you start looking at it, Old and New Testament, you know, you, some people try to shy away from the Old Testament, but you can't have the New Testament without the Old Testament. You look at Jesus, he, every, most of the stuff he was talking about, he says that it may be fulfilled by the prophet. Everything that the prophets were saying, everything that was being said, most of the stuff that was d- being done in the Old Testament was a preparation for So it all points back to God. Okay. <clears throat> S- 
verse uh, 16, he says, I will, all, I will delight myself in thy statutes. I'm not going to forget your word. So get this. This is me now. Folks will spend time, read the scriptures, read the Bible in a year. That's great because that's one of our goals here at the church, right? That's what we want to do. But let me encourage you. If you are reading the scripture just to beat time, just to say that, you know, to wear the badge that I've read it in one year, okay, that's great. But if I didn't get anything out of what I read, then what was the point of reading? See, I'm a slow reader. But I'm a slow reader. Yes, sir. I don't believe you can read through the Bible in a year and not get something out of it. In fact, a whole lot out of it. (laughs) We hope you should be able to get something out of it, right? Anybody heard of mindless reading? You have some and won't remember anything that they read. Now, I'm not talking about people that have, you know, mental issues or memory loss or whatever the case may be. But I'm talking about people who are okay. You know, everything's okay, but they just mindless reading. I'm just. That's it. Okay. Think about it like this. How many people have prayed? No, matter of fact, don't raise your hand. But how many people have prayed? And while you're praying, you're thinking about something else. And before you know it, your prayer is over. Or the man of God is sweating bullets, preaching his heart out. God said he wants you to change. He wants you to. All right. These altars are open. Maybe some of the reason why we don't come to the altar because we don't remember what was said. I'm just throwing that out there. I'm not trying to be rude, y'all. But you have folks that will sit in a service the whole time through and won't get anything out of it. Now, most of us would think, man, how can you do that? What did, you, what did, what did the scripture say? He says, they worship me with their lips, but their hearts... We're going to talk about the heart in just a second. So, God's word is true. Okay, David said, I'm going to hide your word. I'm going to store your word in my heart so that I do not sin against you. Your word is going to be a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my pathway. In other words, what David is saying is, I'm going to walk in truth. When you talk about girding your loins in truth, you're talking about walking in truth. When you put that belt on, everything that you do is inside that belt, right? No? Okay, I'm just checking. So when I walk, I'm still walking. I still got my belt on, right? If I'm running, I still got my belt on, right? It doesn't matter what I do. 
I still have that belt on. Spiritually, no matter where I go, no matter what I do, as long as I have that belt of truth on, that's what I'm living inside of. And oh, by the way, if I live inside of truth, then truth should live inside of Ultimately, our success and prosperity as conquerors relies upon our willingness to reside in truth. You're not going to make it without truth, period. Guess what? Now, we talked about the loins, right, the reproductive organs. Psalm 1 says, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners. Not talking about standing in in their way. Talking about joining them, right? Nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Where is his delight? His delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law. How often? Periodically. Sunday, Wednesday, day and night. What comes between day and night? I saw, I saw some people thinking about it. <laughs> Nothing, right? So that means continuously. He med- meditates upon it. He thinks about it. He ponders on it day and night. By virtue of him doing that, he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, which bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall do what? Why? Because he is staying in the word of God. So if you want to be prosperous, stay in the word of God. I guarantee you, if you stay in the word of God, you won't have a problem doing the work of God. Guarantee you. Okay, let's move on to the breastplate of righteousness. Because I don't have much time, so i got to get through this. Breastplate of righteousness. I don't think we're going to get through all the scriptures that I have for that one. But a breastplate is a protective vest that provides protection for the chest and abdominal areas. It is designed to prevent damage to the body while absorbing the impact of any life-threatening blows. Matthew chapter 5 or 6 tells us what? If you know Matthew chapter 5, it starts off with what we call the Beatitudes, right? So we're talking about right, the, ble- the breastplate of righteousness. Right? Verse 6 would say, I, I just, this was a, it was a pop quiz. Blessed are they which do... That's it. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. You desire after righteousness? You hungry for it? You know, a person, if a person's hungry, they're going to find something. I told y'all a while back I like Debbie cakes. Little Debbie, Big Deborah, what you want to call her? But I, but I like them. 
Sometimes, you, you know, you're just hungry for a certain thing. Spiritually, and, and really for me, you know, I, I do want to be filled with righteousness. Because I know that's what's going to get me through this life. That's what's going to because if the righteous scarcely make it into the kingdom of heaven, I want to do all I can to be filled with as much as I can. I definitely don't have time to be without the righteousness of God. While it may not always be necessary to wear protective gear on our physical bodies, we should always wear the breastplate of righteousness to guard the heart and the digestive system of our spiritual being. Without the breastplate, our hearts will become exposed and vulnerable. As a result, we may become desensitized to righteousness. To connect with God is to connect to righteousness, for he is the source of righteousness. Jesus Christ is the physical revelation of the righteousness of God. Y'all see a trend here? We're, let me see, I'm read one of these scriptures here. Let's go to John chapter 1. Nope. Let's go to Romans chapter 3, verses 21 through 26. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith, by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness For the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God. To declare, I say, at this time his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. So, again, by connecting with Jesus Christ, we are made righteous it's him that justifies to be righteous is to be justified it's also to be holy now we know that our god is a holy god right everybody know that right okay he's a holy god but the only way for us to be righteous the only way for us to be holy is to connect with him now genesis chapter one the first what is it four words of Genesis chapter 1 says what? In the beginning, God. So we understand that it all began with God. And then in the 31st verse, I believe it is, of Genesis, same chapter. 
Somebody has that? Okay, so in between all that, we know that God formed all these things. Everything that we see today, trees, you know, all of that, God formed it. Each time after he did it, you know, before the day ended, he looked at it, he took time and reflected, reviewed, and says, oh, this is good. Sixth day, he looks at everything. He says, man, it's very good. I can imagine God, you know, this is just me in my mind, just looking at all his creation. He's looking at all the little animals and stuff, hopping around trees and stuff. Man, I'm good. (laughs) It was good. But furthermore, to me, what I believe he was saying is that everything was perfect. It was right. It was the way it was supposed to be. The man he created reflected his image. That was right. The animals, you know, it was no confusion. None of the animals were fighting. There was no violence. It was none of that. Everything was right. Because everything that God makes. Comes from where? Thank you, Sister Bell. Every good gifts come every good gift or gifts comes from above. Righteousness represents everything that is right. Of course, if there is a right way, then there is also a wrong way. The breastplate of righteousness is designed to secure everything that is right within our hearts. Comparable to the human heart, the heart of our spiritual being is responsible for pumping the blood of Jesus Christ throughout the entire body since our hearts contain the things we embrace the most we should take necessary precautions to prevent the poison of sin from entering into our hearts and forming a desire within our spiritual digestive system if you if it's embraced in your heart it's something that eventually is going to be produced that's why jesus said or that's why paul says excuse me the scripture says i can't remember if it's paul or jesus now if a man look on a woman to lust after her in his heart He's already he's already committed adultery. Was that Jesus? Is is in the same one Jesus? I, look, y'all confusing me. I, I see heads like yes, no. Look, it's in the word. Okay, I'm sorry. But if you look on a woman to lust after her in your heart, you have already committed adultery. And ladies. I would imagine that just because it addressed the men doesn't mean it was not applicable to you. Thank you, sir. Matthew 5 and 28. So now you have the reference. Okay. Regardless of who you are, if you look on a man to lust after her, now that you know the word man, but excuse me, look on a woman to lust after her in your heart. You've already committed adultery. Okay. So obviously... Whatever you harbor in your heart is pretty serious because it produces a result. So we have to guard our hearts and make sure there's the right things in our heart, right? That's why he had to replace the heart that we had. 
We had a spiritual heart transplant when we received salvation, when we, you know, went through all that stuff because that old heart. You know, the Bible says about what's in your heart, right? Out of the abundance of the heart. I speak that word I shouldn't speak. It's probably because it was in there somewhere. The breastplate of righteousness is not merely designed to be worn as a covering. It should also be interwoven throughout the fabric of our hearts. When we become connected to Jesus Christ, our hearts tap into the, <clears throat> excuse me, our hearts tap into and become filled with the stream of God's righteousness. It is that same stream that is pumped into every vein, muscle, and organ of our spiritual being. As a result, we eradicate the wrong in our lives and become filled with everything that is right. To be righteous is to reflect the glory of God. To be righteous is to be separated from sin. To be righteous simply means to be right. When God looks at us, he should say, wow, that's good. Any man being Christ, he's a new creature, right? Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are become new. What is he doing when he transforms your life? He is making it right by his righteousness. Amen. So don't just wear the breastplate of righteousness, but make sure that it's something that is embedded in our hearts. Amen. And if it's in our hearts, everything else that it pumps, you know, just like the natural heart pumps blood throughout the human body and it's cleansing and it's well, it's the same thing. If we put what's right in our hearts spiritually, it's what's going to be pumped throughout the rest of us. Amen. That's all I can go through today because it is 15 after. So I'm stopping on time. See, I'm getting better. All right. Next week, we're going to talk about the boots of the gospel. We're going to try to wrap this thing up so that we can get into conquering fear and all that other stuff that we want to talk about. Amen. God bless you. Let's take our break.